so our key scripture um, in all of this has been out of 1 Corinthians chapter 1 in verses uh, 4 through 8. And it says, I thank my God always concerning you for the grace of God which was given to you by Christ Jesus. So we know obviously Paul is writing first and foremost to believers. So we have to understand uh, when we're reading the Bible, the context of who's writing it and who it's being written to. And that's where we get a lot of twisted theology and doctrine is we take verses that were meant for sinners and try to apply them to saints or verses that were meant for saints and try to apply them to sinners. But when we read it in context, we understand that this is a letter to a church This is written to saints, believers, those who have been born again, whose nature is no longer to sin but to live righteous, that that they have been transformed. And he says this, I thank my God always concerning you for the grace of God which was given to you by Christ, that you were enriched in everything by him in all utterance and knowledge, even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you. Why? Then verse 7 says, so that you come short in no gift. So Paul's saying, and I believe obviously pinning it by inspiration of the Spirit, that God's heart and wish for each of us is that we would come short in no gift, no grace or spiritual endowment of the Spirit, but that we would operate and grow fully. And what are the purposes of the gifts? But to mature us as believers, right? into the full measure of man of Christ Jesus in demonstration in character and in power that we may, like uh, I believe John said, we say that we are in him, then we ought to live as he lived. Mm -hmm. That's in character, integrity, and that's in the demonstration of power. And this is done through the manifestation of the gifts in the spirit, obviously intimacy with Jesus. You, uh, if you do not abide in him, you cannot bear any fruit. So, consistent daily devotion to Jesus, spending time in his presence, but then also the manifestation of the gifts amongst the believers that build us up and make us uh, demonstrate the full measure of the man. So he says this, and as you receive those gifts, then you eagerly wait for the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will also confirm you to the end that you may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. So again, these gifts are empowering us and preparing us for the coming of the Lord. Always Paul's turning back to that day when the Lord splits the sky and comes down uh, so that we would be mature and he comes back for a spotless and blemishless bride. And today we're going to be talking about the gift of mercy. I know we talk a lot about tongues and prophecy and those things are amazing and we want them, but there is actually a divine gift of mercy. And we're going to define it and look at it Um, from a biblical context because there is a humanistic mercy but then there's a divine mercy and there is a difference and we're really going to look at what is the difference between mercy that is done by a natural or from a carnal sense where you can basically decide to be merciful and what is the spiritual endowment the grace gift of God for mercy and to access God's mercy And so you'll find this gift listed in Romans chapter 12, verses 6 through 13. It says this, Having then gifts deferring according to the grace that is given to us. This word grace here 
uh, in the Greek is a divine ability given to you that you could not have uh, without God. So there's grace, unmerited favor, which also incorporates into this, which means you didn't deserve it, but you got it anyway, right? Yeah. So uh, it said this, that grace is receiving something that you don't deserve and mercy is not receiving what you do deserve. I'm going to say that again. Grace is receiving what I don't deserve, but mercy is not receiving what I do deserve. So we've received the mercy of God and not gotten the punishment due our sins because of his shed blood, right? That he went to Calvary, died, crucified, buried, resurrected, and ascended so that I wouldn't receive what I deserve. Hell and damnation. Man, what a God. But then grace is receiving what I don't deserve. So it's the blessing and endowment from God. And so this is a divine ability that I don't have except for God gave it to me. This is given to us. uh, Let us use them if prophecy. Let us prophesy in proportion to our faith or ministry. Let us use it in our ministry. He who teaches in teaching he who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives with liberty, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Let love be without hypocrisy. Arbor what is evil, cling to what is good, be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love, in honor giving preference to one another, not lagging in diligent, fevered in spirit, Serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer, distributing to the needs of the saints, and given to hospitality. So he lists very many gifts here in Romans, but again, we're highlighting he who shows mercy, that gift of mercy. So mercy in the Greek, and I'm probably going to murder it, but it's pronounced something like this. L-A-A-O, L-A-A-O, right? So L-A-A-O in Greek is mercy. And it's defined as this, to show mercy as God defines it. That's very key, to show mercy as God defines it. How many of you know that man defines what mercy is, but then God defines it? So this type of mercy, this godly mercy, this grace that's been imparted to us is not the type of mercy or can be imparted to us if we don't have it. Uh, This type of mercy is not mercy as man defines it, but mercy as God defines it. Uh, As it accords with his truth or covenant, which expresses God's covenant loyalty and mercy, acting only on his terms. So it's mercy according to God's terms, not ours. It's to have pity or mercy on, to show mercy, to spare, granting even to the unworthy favor, benefits, and opportunities. Did you hear that? It's literally granting even to those who are unworthy favor, benefits, and opportunities. Often the world's mercy shows mercy to those who are deserving of it. If you go to a court of law and you've been uh, found or charged with a crime and you go before the judge and you've proven good behavior or you've changed, often that judge will show you mercy based upon your merits and what you did. Many people who get sentenced to go to jail. They serve their time, but based on their good behavior, 
the parole board shows mercy and releases them early. That's mercy as the world defines it. But God says, granting even to the unworthy favor, benefits, and opportunity. It denotes the inward feeling of compassion which abides in the heart. It's to feel sympathy with the misery of others, of another, especially such sympathy, check this, as manifests itself in actions and not merely words. God's mercy manifests in actions and not merely words. It's not simply lip service, but it's actually adding walking to your talking. So I can tell you I forgive you all day long, but acting like it and treating you like it are totally different. The world's mercy says, I forgive you, but I don't trust you anymore. Or I forgive you, but I only allow you this far. But God's mercy, this kind of mercy, and sometimes there's place for that, you know. But God's mercy, this mercy, this divine grace gift, when it manifests in you only by and through the working of the Holy Spirit. Like you can't just decide to have this kind of mercy. It's divinely imparted by God. When it manifests, it's actually I forgive you like it never happened. Which is amazing, and it shows, and I want to take a little side trail and, and talk about God's heart real quick, but it shows you God's heart towards you. You know, it shows you that this kind of mercy, when God gives you this mercy, see, in our mind, we're like this. God forgives me. I've repented. God forgives me, but now I've got some time to, like, prove my character to God. And I've got to, like, show God that I'm trustworthy. But this kind of mercy, when God gives it, it when you repent, God restores you to the place in which you fall, we've fallen. You do not start over. Uh, I'm going to jump ahead, but I'm going to share a little bit about um, a revelation the Lord gave me one time. You see, I grew up in the church, and, and, and when you walked into the church that I grew up in, there was a, a portrait of me sitting with that lead pastor. It was like, if you walk through these doors right here, you walked in there, instead of this beautiful thing that Paul hooked us up with, the cityscape, you wouldn't see that. You'd see a portrait, a picture, and I was sitting in the, the lap of the pastor. I spent the, uh, my days like Samuel in the presence of the Lord at the altar, um, just growing up, reared at the church. My mom was there volunteering all the time, so they, we were there all the time. And I can remember encountering God in my bedroom. I can remember having conversations with the Lord, prophetic dreams I would have as a kid, opening up my Bible, reading my Bible. But many of you know, uh, at age 11, my parents got divorced. I began smoking weed. I, I went out and, and did everything that comes with that lifestyle, got on hard drugs. You know, by the time I was 15, 16 year old, I'm taking LSD. I'm like way out there and everything that comes with that life, getting in trouble with the law, all of that. But then, you know, I encountered Jesus, a, a, a living God who has eyes that see, ears that hear, a mouth that speaks, and hands that touches people. This real living God I had an encounter, and he freed me from all of that, set me free, baptized me in the Holy Spirit and power, and I really got to know him. And I'm sitting here after this time, and I'm praying with the Lord, and I'm thinking about how long I've been with him, and I'm like, Oh, because I'm looking at Paul. Paul's like, I spent three years out there before I ever went to the apostles. And I'm like, Lord, and I'm just talking to the Lord, how long have I been with you? And, you know, you hear speakers talk about this one saying, I've been with the Lord for 40 years. And I've been walking with the Lord for 20 years. And I'm like, Lord, you know, I had all this time with you as a, as a child. I spent 11 years with you, God. 11 years I had relationship. With, I walked with you and I talked with you. Is that lost, God? 
Did I lose all of that? And the Lord said this to me. He said, Brett, he said, when you repent, I remove your sins as far as the east is from the west, and I remember them no more. So when I look at your life because you've repented, all I ever see is the time you've spent walking with me. I don't even see the time you've been away from me. It doesn't even exist in my mind. The Bible says he forgives your sins and remembers them no more. God has the divine ability to literally erase your ledger. And when he looks at you, he doesn't even see it anymore. That's why many of us go into our prayer closet and we start talking to God about past sins and past mistakes. And he doesn't say anything. And you wonder why it's because he doesn't know what you're talking about. He doesn't actually see it. It doesn't exist because he's forgiven your sins and remembers them no more. You say, well, God can do everything. He's all powerful. What do you mean he doesn't remember? Yeah, he divinely decided he would erase it from his memory. You're right. He's sovereign. And that's what the Bible teaches. That's the kind of mercy we're talking about. That's the kind of divine grace gift mercy that we're speaking about. Uh, This is my um, definition and and simplifies it of, of mercy. The divine ability to extend mercy to others beyond normal human capacity. It kind of simplifies it. I'll say that again. The divine ability to extend mercy to others beyond normal human capacity. Matthew chapter 5 verse 7 says, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. The Bible says you reap what you sow. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Uh, We're going to look at a parable, Matthew chapter 18, verse 21 and 35, and see Jesus operating in this gift of mercy. That's Matthew chapter 18, verses 21 through 25. And and it just, uh, actually he's teaching on mercy here, I'm sorry. This is the parable of the of the unforgiving servant. Listen to this. It says, Then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times. Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 77 times. Well, Lord, that sounds impossible. You know, I can imagine Peter talking about what? 77 times? What are you talking about? That sounds impossible. And you know, it's just like salvation. With man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. And when we're not talking about that carnal, natural ability to forgive, but we're actually talking about a divine grace gift to forgive and offer mercy, it is possible. Then Jesus says to him, uh, Therefore the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he had begun to settle accounts... One who was brought to him, who owed him 10,000 talents, but he was not able to pay his master, commanded that he be sold. Or, yeah, that he be sold with his wife and children and all that he had, and that payment be made. The servant therefore fell down before him, saying, Master, have patience with me, and I will pay you all. In other words, have mercy on me. Then the master of the servant was moved with compassion, released him, and forgave him the debt. But that servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, Pay me what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down at his feet and uh, begged him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay you all. And he would not, but went and threw him into prison till he should pay the debt. 
So when his fellow servants saw what had been done, they were very grieved and came and told their master all that had been done. Then his master, after he had called him, said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all the debt because you begged me. Should you not also have had compassion on your fellow servant, just as I had pity on you or mercy on you? And his master was angry and delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that was due him. This is a very interesting verse, this next verse. Listen to this. So my heavenly father also will do to you if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. He's saying, I have offered this divine mercy to you. I've filled you with my spirit. I've given you the grace to offer the same mercy that's been given to you because he who is merciful obtains mercy, right? Mm -hmm. And I've given you this ability by the spirit to offer this to others and you're refusing to do it. So literally I've taken every excuse away for you to not access my grace and offer this same thing. So I'll actually throw you into jail and allow the tormentors to come. How many of you know there's many believers right now? This is Bible, and a lot of people don't want to go here, but we're going to go here because we believe in the spirit of truth and, and what the word of God says. But how many of you know many people are being tormented right now because they've not been they've not given mercy when they've been oh, wow. given mercy. There's many people dealing with anxiety and depression and can't seem to get free and can't see to stop sinning or stop doing this or stop doing that. And they're not wondering they're wondering why why am I being tormented? Why am I being tortured? Like, God, are you not uh, uh, the deliverer? But it's not God. It's us not forgiving. And that forgive uh, us not are failing to give the same mercy that's been given to us is allowing the tormentors to come and torture us. It is for freedom that you've been set free. You free you've been free and given mercy to do what? To be free and give mercy. Let's move on. John chapter 8, verses 1 through 11. John chapter 8, verses 1 through 11. Here we see Jesus operating in, in this gift of mercy. And it's some very interesting language. And ever, But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Now early in the morning he came again into the temple. And all the people came to him and he sat down and he taught them. Then the scribes and the Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in the very act of adultery. Like literally she was and got caught. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. What do you say? They said this testing him that they might have something to, of which to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger as though he did not hear. So when they continued asking him, he raised himself up and said to them, many scholars believe he was writing their sins in, in the sand, that he was like, yeah, okay, you know? Uh, so it's like, all right. You know? You want to? Yeah. You know? Yeah, exactly. I don't know what he was doing, but some scholars think that. So anyway, uh, then he said to them, he who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. And again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. Then those who heard it, being convicted by their conscience, and that's the Holy Ghost, went out one by one, beginning with the oldest, even to the last. And Jesus was left alone, and the women standing in the midst. It's super interesting that the oldest went, because 
the ones who had lived the longest and had probably sinned the most. Yeah. Uh, when Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, Women, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? She said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said, Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. What I love about this redemption in the mercy of God is that he didn't just say, go and sin, or, go, or I forgive you, live as you please. Right. He said, I forgive you, go and sin no more. How many of you know Jesus will never tell you to do something he doesn't empower you to do? Jesus never says forgive. Jesus never says have mercy. Jesus never says heal the sick. Jesus never says to go and sin no more. At least he sends his spirit to empower you to fulfill it. When the word of the Lord comes to you, it comes with power to fulfill itself. It is not by might, it is not by strength, it is not by power, but it's by the Spirit. The letter alone kills, the Spirit gives life. Human, availeth, or human effort availeth nothing, it's the Spirit that gives life. And my words, they are Spirit and they are life. Meaning when that word comes from Jesus, it empowers you to fulfill it. So when people hear words, they're like, I can never do it, I don't know. The power's already there. God wouldn't have said it if he wouldn't have empowered you not to do it or to do it. Yeah. Neither do I continue. Go and sin no more. Then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Mm-hmm. See, the Pharisees couldn't comprehend the mercy of God. Mm-hmm. See, the Pharisees operated in carnal, carnal mercy. They only gave mercy to those who had penance. They only gave mercy to those who who maybe made some massive sacrifice. They, they only gave mercy to those who they deemed to be proven worthy of mercy. We were, uh, Rachel and I were talking about it today, how, you know, the Bible says that Jesus sat with sinners, and many people, they give that as an excuse to just do whatever. Well, Jesus hung out with sinners. No, Jesus hung out with repentant sinners. See, the issue was the Pharisees accused him of hanging out with sinners because they didn't understand who he was, that he was the Messiah and he carried the redemption and mercy of God. And they thought that those who sat with them were unworthy of mercy and could never receive it. What they didn't understand is he who is mercy was standing, the merciful one was standing there in their midst and had already imparted that mercy. And they had been made new by his very presence and the anointing and who he was, that he was the mediator of that new covenant. But they had decided to follow him that they had already turned and he had issued that same mercy that he issues this woman right here caught in, adu- in adultery. They could not comprehend it because they were operating not by the Spirit, by the letter alone. So the, the Bible says the letter alone kills, but the Spirit brings life. They didn't understand the mercy of God. Let's move on. Uh, let's take a look at what God says about his mercy. I quoted it earlier, but I, I'm going to go there because it's probably one of my favorite passages of scripture uh, in the Bible. It's in the book of Psalms, uh, and it's 103 verses 2 through 18. Listen to this. Listen to God. This is the God we serve. This is Jesus. This is his heart. Listen to this. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. This tells me that I have the ability Are you listening, saints? I and you, we have the ability to forget the benefits of God. Like, it's easy. You know, he calls us sheep for a reason. You know, it's said of sheep that they would forget where the watering hole was if it wasn't for their shepherd leading them there. That's why David says, you lead me beside still waters. 
You lead me, right? He has, it's, it's relational. So we can forget it, but forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your iniquities, yes. who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your you is renewed like eagles. I love this because it says nothing about what we do, but everything about what he does. It's all him and not us. And then it says, The Lord executes righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the children of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious. It's who he is. He is slow to anger and abounding, overflowing with mercy. Man, I love you, Jesus. He will not always strive with us. Nor will he keep his anger forever. So, of course, God gets angry. To say God doesn't get angry is, is, is to not believe the Bible. Sin grieves God. Just like a good father gets upset when their children do not obey, sin grieves God. But, man, he doesn't keep that anger forever. But in his love, he strives or corrects us. And he has not dealt with us, it says, according to our sins nor punished us according to our iniquities. That means even the punishment that does come from the Lord, the chastisement from the Lord, who he chastises those whom he loves, the spanking of the Lord, if you will, is actually not even what we deserve. It's less than. It's always less than what we actually deserve. That's just his nature. I love this. Listen to this. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his mercy towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. As a father pities his children, so the Lord pities or has mercy on. Again, that's remember that was in that Greek definition of mercy. So as a father has mercy on his children, so the Lord pities or has mercy on those who fear him. For he knows our frame, he remembers that we are dust. As for man, his days are like grass, as a flower of the field, so he flourishes. For the wind passes over it, and it is gone, and its place remembers it no more. But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting. So the grass, the earth will all pass away, but the mercy of the Lord is forever and ever and ever and ever. On those who fear him and his righteousness to children's and to children's children to such as keep his covenants and to those who remember his commandments to do them. Man, thank you, Jesus. You know, David had a divine revelation. David wrote this. He had a divine revelation on the mercy of the Lord. He had a divine understanding of God. And I love that it was David. You know why I love that it was David? You know why I love Psalms and the revelation in Psalms that David gets? Because David wasn't in this covenant. We are in a better covenant with better promises, Hebrews says. Which means if David could have this type of revelation under the old covenant, man, what kind of revelation and insight and understanding to the heart of the Lord can we access if we believe? By faith, right? Come on, Jesus. Help us, Lord. Uh, I want to share a quick story with you. Um, you know, uh, I, uh, a friend reached out recently and was going through 
uh, a struggling time and uh, you know I went and I picked him up and and he got in my truck and uh, you know he started talking about this and like it was obvious that he was you know falling back into some old ways and and making mistakes and things which he was honest about and you know I I could have listed all the things he had done wrong. I, I could have said, you know, well, you know, you need to do this and you need to quit doing that and you need to do that. But that's not what the Spirit wanted to do. In that moment, the Spirit released to me the gift, divine gift of mercy. And I was able to operate in the ministry of reconciliation, reconciling him to God and being that mediator in that moment by the grace of the Holy Spirit and release the mercy of God to him. And I begin to deal with the lies of the enemy by the leading of the Spirit and through the gift of prophecy and mercy coupled together and the gift of, of word of knowledge all coupled together. It started to deal with the lies that the enemy had been, had been telling him and allowing the mercy of the Lord to wash over him. Do you know the Holy Ghost jumped on him and he began to weep? get totally set free from all the stuff that was bothering demons coming out in my truck. I mean, just from the mercy of the Lord coming on and being washed in that mercy and releasing the truth of the mercy of the Lord. And then he was actually able to access the divine grace gift of mercy and release it to himself. Some of us in this room need to access the gift of mercy the divine gift of mercy that says, I've removed your sins as far as the east is from the west, that I've forgiven your sins and I remember them no more. Some of us need to access that gift upon ourselves. And we're sitting there whipping ourselves and chastising ourselves, trying to prove some penance till we receive the mercy of the Lord and let ourselves off the hook. When the power is in receiving the mercy of the Lord, that will empower you then to go and sin no more. Have, where are your accusers at? Where are your accusers now? He has dealt with the accuser of the brethren once and for all. He's under our feet. So who are you to operate as an accuser of the brethren on yourself? But be free tonight, saints, to access this mercy of the Lord and impart it to yourself. And like the woman called in adultery, know that he holds it not against you. Go and sin no more. That's for somebody tonight. Let's look at this final uh, passage of scripture and then we'll close with that. Acts chapter 7, uh, verse 54 through 60. When they heard these things, they were cut to the heart, and they gnashed at him with their teeth. But he, this is speaking of Stephen, he being full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God and said, Look, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Then they cried out with a loud voice, stopped their ears, and ran at him with one accord. And they cast him out of the city, and they stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at the feet of a young man named Saul. We know this is Paul. And they stoned Stephen as he was calling on God and saying this, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he knelt down and cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not charge them with this sin. And, he, and when he said this, he fell asleep. How many of you know that it is not by some carnal mercy that Stephen, he didn't make some, just make some conscious decision 
to impart mercy to those who were stoning him to death. It was by the divine ability, the grace gift of mercy, that literally Stephen is being stoned to death in a revelation, I believe, of the wrath of God, knowing that he doesn't even have to worry about it, which allows us to access the mercy of God, knowing that it's all in God's hands. Like, you don't have to worry about when people wrong you. God will handle it. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. You're free to be merciful. You don't have to be vengeful. You actually get to be merciful. And let the Lord handle it. When someone wrongs you or hurts you, let the Lord handle it. Be free to be merciful. But Stephen accessed this divine grace, revelation of the wrath of God, and a divine grace gift of mercy and says, Father, forgive them. Don't even hold this again. As they're killing him, like through the pain, most of them would be like hulking out or fighting or something. And Stephen's like, no, forgive them, Lord. Don't hold this against them. That's the heart of the Lord, and that's the grace gift of mercy on full display right here in the book of Acts. Again, it's a divine ability. It's, it's taking the wrongs done towards you and removing them as, the far, as far as the east is from the, rest, uh, the, the west. It's a re-embrace of our brothers and sisters like they never, ever did it in the first place. That's the difference, guys, of... of, of Carnal mercy and divine mercy. Carnal mercy is like, I forgive you, but I ain't going to forget this. Divine mercy is, I forgive and I forget. It's a divine ability. It's not in your own effort that you can do that. Uh, This is an opportunity for growth tonight for many of us. It's an opportunity for growth. It's an opportunity for us to realize that we've been filled with the Spirit of God. In that... The full manifest manifold grace of God is inside of us. You know, that glory is in us. We are the temple of God. Like Rachel shared at the beginning of service, you know, we have access into the Holy of Holies. Like, Mm -hmm. so we have access to divine mercy. Matter of fact, he says, come to the throne of boldly to the throne of grace, receive mercy and grace in time of need. But how do you know when you receive mercy, you can receive mercy for yourself and the, the grace gift of mercy to give it to whoever's wronged you or hurt you. Tonight, let's pray. Let's access this. this I'm sure there's people, I, I see it on your faces tonight. The Holy Spirit has plucked hearts and laid it out. I know there's many people uh, that have hurt us in our lives with just just through the casualties of life, you know. Maybe they weren't even meaning it, meaning to do it, but they've done it, you know. Or maybe they did. But tonight, let's 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 pray this tonight together. Let's say, Lord, Lord we, receive we receive by faith, by faith through, grace, through grace the ability, the ability to, give to give mercy, not in our own strength. Not in our own strength. And not according to our own definition, but according to your word and your nature. Right now we forgive. And wherever you're at right now, just under your breath, say that person's name. Uh, just go ahead and release them. Issue that mercy, that, that divine ability and grace to forgive. And watch how freedom comes now. We thank you, Jesus, for that ability, Lord. Wow, I feel I can literally feel the room getting lighter. <laughs> I feel the room getting lighter. Woo! Thanks for mercy. 
Thanks for mercy, Lord. We, we will not be the wicked servants. We will not be wicked and receive uh, your mercy and not give it away. Your word says freely you've received, freely give. We have freely received your mercy. You have removed our sins as far as the east is from the west. You have forgiven our sins and you remember them no more. And now we release by faith through grace that same mercy right now. Thank you, Lord. You always empower us to be righteous. Thank you, Lord, right now. Thank God, I'm, I'm praying right now for a release now. A release, an increase of the gift of mercy now. Grace, like impart it, Lord. Just, just give it an impartation of mercy now. In Jesus' name, the grace gift of mercy. Just release it, an impartation, God, more. Increase now. God, we always want the impartation for prophecy and healing and deliverance, but would you give us a hunger in a release for the gift of mercy, Lord. Release the grace gift by impartation, God, right now, through the laying on of hands. Lord, just receive by faith right now the grace gift of mercy, God. In Jesus' name, amen, Lord. Amen. 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 Oh.